Hey, so great to see everybody. You, got, you guys get extra heaven points for being out here on the cold. That is awesome. I pray the Lord just blesses you. And you are here for, um, you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Some of you might be here because you're uh, getting baptized and, and maybe you're supporting those who are getting baptized. We're going to be doing that towards the end of our service uh, today. So we're going to have a great celebration of, uh, for that. But I really uh, believe that the Lord is going to speak to you today. Um, and uh, we, uh, we're about to start a new series uh, through the gospel of Mark. And uh, so if you want to get your copy of God's Word, your printed copy or your digital copy, we'll have this, uh, the verses on the screen. We're going to be in, uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, as you're turning in there, uh, I do want to kind of le- uh, let you know we are finishing a 21-day fast uh, for our church. We started, for those who participated, uh, day one, and uh, which was uh, January 1st, and it's ending today, the 21st, and uh, there have been a lot of people who, uh, who have kind of reached out to me and said, man, I feel like God's speaking to me about this, and I really feel the, the closeness of the Heavenly Father uh, during this season, and, and, and so many different types of fasts that people did, whether it be, you know, food fast, or sugar fast, or media fast, or social media fast or mother-in-law fast, you know, um, you know, there's all kinds of different fasts that you can, uh, that you can do and just that the Lord can speak to you. And it's all about uh, just depending upon the Lord for your strength. And, and I'm going to be sharing as we mosey on through, and we're go, we are going to mosey uh, through the book of Mark uh, for the next probably a little over a year um, uh, through this, uh, through this series, uh, verse by verse. But I, I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about what God has been speaking uh, to me during this fast. And, um, and I'd love to hear how God has, has spoken to you um, as well. And so uh, we begin this, uh, this series about the person and purpose of Jesus. And that's really sort of the theme of the book or the gospel of Mark. And so uh, before we dive into reading this, let's, let's talk a little bit about the author of Mark. So you guessed it, it's, his name was Mark. Okay. Uh, now, some of you may not realize this, and some of you uh, may. Mark was actually not one of the 12 apostles. He was not one of the, the 12 chosen disciples. Now, he was a follower um, of Jesus, and, um, but he was not one of, uh, one of the, um, the 12. And so, um, now you may say, well, how, how did he know to write a story of Jesus if he wasn't one of the 12? Uh, well, he got his version, his story of the Gospel of Mark from Peter. And we'll, we're going to, uh, you'll see in just a moment how, how he made that connection. Now, his name is actually John Mark. Uh, you see his name sprinkled throughout um, the, the, the book of Acts and, and other um, books in the New Testament. Uh, we first kind of see Mark about 14 years after the death, burial, and resurrection um, of Jesus. He kind of arrives on the scene. Um, Mark is, uh, John Mark is seen traveling with um, the, uh, the Apostle Paul. In fact, um, uh, if, if you've uh, read sort of the book of Acts, you can kind of see uh, some of that. And, uh, but he also, not only did he travel with Paul to help plant church, he also traveled with Peter, spent a good time with the Apostle Peter in his, uh, in his ministry as well. And so, um, and then later on, he actually reconnects with Paul. Uh, when Paul was in prison, when, he, when Paul's writing all of those, those uh, letters from prison, 
Uh, it's John Mark, it's Mark, the writer of the gospel. He is the one who is sort of taking those letters that Paul wrote, which is now the majority of the New Testament. He's taking those letters as a carrier to the various parts, different copies of that. And so he is... Um, He's a guy that is on, uh, he's on the scene, and, and he's not one of sort of the, the, the superheroes, you know? You, you think of the superheroes like, you know, the 12 apostles and, and, and Paul and, and you, those, those sort of big names, right? And, and he's not, even though he has a book, you know, with his name uh, in the title, um, he's not really sort of that superhero. He's more of, a, more of like a hero support or, or like a sidekick um, to some of what uh, God is doing through some of those apostles. And so we see John Mark, we see Mark as a helper. He is a sort of behind the scenes <clears throat> kind of guy. You say, why? How can he be behind the scenes if he's written a book, you know, uh, the gospel? Well, he, he just wants to be someone who's taking the information, writing it down, and he just wants to be a helper. You see his name throughout the book of Acts, and he just wants to help. And what it does is, is this. It just, for those of you who feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really the, the kind of person that could get up on stage or speak or, or be in front of people. I just, I just don't feel like I'm, I don't, I don't have those kind of giftedness. I could just, you know, I'm just someone who could be in the behind the scenes and maybe just help. And that's not really a big deal. Can I tell you something? It is a big deal. <laughs> it's a huge deal. And in fact, you know, it's such a huge deal that, that his writing of the gospel, and he was a, uh, many biblical scholars believe he was the first, he, this, uh, according to Mark, is the first of the gospels written. And so God honored his legacy, his life, even though he was just sort of a, a sidekick or a helper for the gospel. So don't think that just because, you know, you're, you're not really doing much, maybe you're, you're helping with the outreach team, ministry, baking cookies, you know, to provide for a concert, you know, at a school, or maybe you're, you know, you're just kind of giving to help a backpack buddy uh, kid. You may think that's not really a big deal, but listen, it is. It's a huge deal. So if you're a helper, guess what? <laughs> We're going to spend the next year talking about someone who's just like you. And so, um, and we see the book, uh, in this book of Mark, we see Jesus identifies as a helper. And we'll see this. He, he is someone who comes to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to help others. Well, of course, he would be predicted, uh, he, would be, um, he would be shown in that kind of way because of the author. Now, let's talk about the books. So, the, the gospel of Mark is actually the shortest of the four Gospels. The four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so it is the shortest of the Gospels. Uh, biblical scholars believe it was the first one written. Uh, there's all but 31 verses that are quoted uh, from Mark in the other Gospels. Um, Mark's Gospels is a great book for new believers because of its length and because it's fast-paced. If you have ADD or ADHD like I do and, you know, and some other people, uh, you, you would love the book of Mark, okay? Why? Because it's fast-paced. In fact, Mark uses the word immediately all the time. Immediately Jesus went this, did this, and immediately the disciples did this, and immediately, and immediately, and immediately. I mean, it's just fast-paced. 
And so, if you want to start with the, with the gospel, Mark is a great place to start. And, and it kind of it goes along with, really, the person who gave the inspiration and the stories. And that was the Apostle Peter. If you, if you read, as you read through uh, the Gospels and, and, and the book of Acts, especially in the Gospels, you see Peter as someone, man, he kind of does things and says things before he thinks, <laughs> right? He's a man of action. He's like, boom, we're, let, let's go get it done. And he kind of, you know, maybe sets some people's toes, you know, or that kind of, I mean, like, he cut a guy's ear off, right? <laughs> you know, in the garden. He's like, I'm going to take care of this, you know. And, um, and just, you know, Peter is just someone who just speaks and does things without really thinking about it. You know, Peter's like this guy who, he's like a, he's like a bullet point, right? You have people that live their life, they're like a nice crafted paragraph, Right? Uh, but, but some people, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm this way, it's kind of like bullet points. Boom, 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 you know. And, and that's Peter. And that's kind of how the book of Mark is written, okay? Uh, because Peter's like, oh, yeah, we did this. Oh, and I remember this. And immediately we went this. And there. And, and so John Mark takes all this information from Peter and creates the gospel according to Mark. Now, when was this written? It was probably written around the time of, of Nero, the, 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 the ruler of Rome, and his persecution of the Christians in Rome. Lots of persecution. In fact, Mark is writing this book to the believers in Rome. And, uh, and even while Peter, I mean, Peter and Paul both would be killed by Nero, Mark is writing this gospel this gospel, really, the gospel of Peter, but it's written by Mark. Um, so I hope you have a, a little bit better understanding of sort of the background. And as we kind of mosey on down this country drive through the book of Mark, uh, we're going to, you know, get some more background as we go on through. But let's, let's read um, uh, Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 8 as we get started. And it says this, the beginning... Of the good news. That's what it's about. Good news. About Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins that were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Obviously talking about Jesus. And that's our passage for today. Verses 1 through 8. So Mark decides to introduce Jesus by first introducing us to the man who will pave the way for Jesus. 
Then his name was John the Baptist. And so as we, uh, as we look at this, he, he wants us to see who paved the way for Jesus and the gospel. So when we see the gospel according to Mark, the original title of this, of this book was a, according to Mark. And it was the same with all of them. It was according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to John, Luke, according to John. It, it, it wasn't the gospel according to. We kind of added that later. But gospel literally means good news. We see that in that, in that first verse right there. It's the good news. And let me tell you, the Christians in Rome needed some good news. <laughs> Because they were being persecuted and killed. And later, Nero would set Rome on fire and blame the Christians. I mean, bad stuff is happening. And this is after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And so they needed some good news. And so it's a good news of a new kingdom. He's like, don't worry about what's going on. Again, he's writing to the Christians in Rome. Don't worry about what's going on. There's a new kingdom. Remember, and his name is Jesus who sits on that throne. And that kingdom, which is from heaven, a heavenly kingdom, is on this earth, meaning the church was born. And we even see that in the book of Acts. In fact, Mark, Gospel of Mark was written after all of that happened, when the Holy Spirit came and ignited the church, started the church. And it's all about new kingdom. So he wanted to, to remind the Christians, look, don't be distracted by things that are going on. Okay, all this trouble because there's a new king and there's a new kingdom. Boy, don't we need that today? I mean, there's, there's, some, there's some crazy stuff happening in Washington. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what are you guys doing? You know, I mean, part of me just want to, I mean, I don't care what side of the fence you're on. It's like, just get rid of them all. Let's start over, right? You know, with some new people and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And it's so easy to be distracted. Just to sort of, you know, not, not, not be on Twitter or, or be on the news, whatever. And, and the last part of my fast, the first couple of weeks I did a, I did a, a, a food fast. And the last week uh, I did a, a, a media fast. Uh, except I just, I, I would post a happy birthday to my son. Uh, but other than that, you know, no social media, no news. In fact, I'd ask, you know, I'd ask my, my kids and, and, uh, and others, hey, what's happening in the world? Is something, but you know what? Nothing was happening. I mean, there was a lot of stuff happening, but it didn't matter. And I began to just like, you know, I'm not distracted by that. And so I was able to focus in on what God wanted to tell me and how, what God wanted to do in my life. And so I want to remind you, don't be distracted by all the, the, the junk that's happening around us. There's a new king. His name is Jesus. And he started the new kingdom. And if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, as we're going to uh, celebrate three people who have done that, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you are part of that kingdom. And this world is not your home. It's not. It is not your home. And isn't that wonderful? And the people who've gone before, who've accepted Jesus and your loved ones, you get to see them again and you will see them again.
So the first word I really want you, there's three words in this, in this, uh, this sermon. The first word I want you to just kind of remember is gospel. Everybody say gospel. Gospel. Gospel means good news. Say good news. Good news. Look at your neighbor. Say gospel means good news. Yeah, gospel means good news. Awesome. Okay. The second word I want us to look at is wilderness. Wilderness. You know, the, the first eight verses talk about how John is preparing the way for Jesus. Similar to like, sort of like a, a, a president, um, you know, uh, a president's team prepares for his arrival. Like when a president arrives at a city, you know, and, and um, I mean, there's sort of a, a big entourage of people that have to, you know, prepare for that. Okay, I mean, there's security teams, there's, there's traffic teams, there's crowd control, there's speech writers, there's a setup team to set up the podium and the carpet, even though sometimes our current leader can't find his way on and off stage. There are people who necessarily, they make, the way, they make their way for this leader, okay? They pave the way for this leader. They literally put a, a rug or a carpet up to the podium and they pave the way way for the leader. And they do all kinds of stuff. Okay? And just like someone in authority on earth, in government, that's what happens. Well, that's what John did. John prepared the way. But most importantly, he really prepared the hearts. He prepared the hearts for what Jesus was about to launch what Jesus was about to do, and that was the kingdom of God. And so he was about to launch it. So he was preparing the hearts of the people. And it's interesting, John doesn't go to the cities and prepares the hearts. He doesn't stand on the street corners, corners and does it. Where is John? In the wilderness. Say wilderness. Okay, remember that's the second word I want you to uh, leave today with. Gospel and wilderness. He is in the wilderness and he's drawing people out to him where he's at in the wilderness. So why the wilderness? Why did John just encourage people, draw people out to the wilderness? Here's, Here's the reason why. I've often wondered that. And here's the reason why. Because the Jewish people understood that the wilderness is where you meet God. The wilderness is where you meet God, where you encounter God. Not saying John the Baptist was God, but they encountered, they experienced God. And that's where they, in wilderness, we see it. In the Old Testament, Jacob wrestles with an angel in the wilderness. Moses experiences God through a burning bush in the wilderness. Elijah desperately needed the word from God, so he goes to the wilderness. The Israelites received the Ten Commandments in the wilderness. Jesus, after he gets baptized, goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days. Why? So he can experience and encounter God. God calls us out of our comfortable surroundings and into the wilderness where we have no other options but to rely upon him. When you say, God, unless you help me, I'm not going to make it. Have you ever been in that place? Mm, I have. (laughs) 
God, unless you help me, I'm not going to make it. Unless you intervene, I'm not going to make it. That's a scary place to be. But can I tell you something? That's the best place to be. Because then you realize (laughs) it's all in his hands. He has to do something. And it's okay to talk to God like that. It is. God, you're going to have to do something. Just help me. I'm not going to make it. But when we do meet God in the wilderness, we experience the power and closeness of God like no other place. God will often call us out to the wilderness in our time of trouble to remind us what of where our help comes from. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, God Almighty. Instead, a lot of times, you know what we do when troubles happen? And we're in our wilderness of troubles. We rely on our own strength and our own, will, will, uh, our own wisdom. And we, we sort of cope with it. When troubles happen, <laughs> we, we sort of cope with that. And we, we sort of do something to, so, that sort of can appease this. The troubles that we face, whether financial, marriage, you know, physical stuff, I mean, relationship stuff. I mean, whatever troubles you, you're in, you probably have done these things. You, when we face those kind of troubles, we, we eat. We eat sweets. We go to buffet. We fill ourselves with good stuff. We drink. If you're, if you're a drinker, some people turn to, turn to alcohol. We spend we buy stuff. If things aren't going right. We have a friend that's mad at us and whatever. We go to Amazon. And we buy something. Even if we're going to send it back. Just to buy something. And just have someone come to our door who's nicer than the person that you're in argument with. And so we buy stuff. And we also scroll. Oh, Yes. We scroll. We love to scroll. It's just, it's that dopamine. It's like, ah, I lost my job, but I'm scrolling. (laughs) My doctor said I need to lose a lot of weight, but I'm scrolling. Why? Because it's the way we cope with things. Our own strength and our own wisdom. But (laughs) it just makes a bigger hole, doesn't it? It, it, it does. And going to the wilderness is hard. When you tell God, God, uh, I, I can't do this. I need you to intervene. I need your help. So, just like John drew people out of the wilderness so to counter God, God wants to pull you to the wilderness to encounter him. I believe one of the things that God has been speaking to me is that I believe that our church is entering and he's calling us out to the wilderness. He's like, oh, that's what? That's bad. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. He's teaching us. He's encouraging us. I've been praying for you. I have. If you're a regular tender, if you call Lake Point Church your home, I have prayed for you by name. Yes. And I just take turns praying for our church, that God would speak to you, God would encourage you, 
to go to the next level, to go to the wilderness. And when you go to the wilderness, it just sometimes, the wilderness just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. But that's all about trusting in God and having faith in God. When you go into the wilderness, and so God is calling our church into the wilderness, and he's asking us to do three things, to trust him with three things. Give, invite, and connect. I told you last week that these three words are something that's going to be our theme for the whole year. Give, invite, and connect. Sean, one of our elders, just talked about giving. It's the principle of firsts. I preached a sermon on it last week. It's a principle of first, of giving God your first. I say, that didn't make sense, Pastor Frank. Financially, that doesn't make sense. You're right. But <laughs> there's a lot of things that don't make sense. But if it made sense, it wouldn't be faith. Right? Give God your first and see what will happen. That's you being called out to the wilderness of your finances. In the wilderness, you don't know what's going to happen. You're like, I don't, this, is on, this is territory I'm not, I'm not familiar with. This is, I don't, know what, I don't know who's here. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But guess what? God is there in the wilderness. So your, your wilderness of finances begins by you giving first of your increase. Okay? Invite. You have people in your life that don't go to church. And some of you have been inviting. And some of you, I mean, you, some of you, you have invited people and they stuck and they're, they're here and, and, and it's awesome. But it, and it's not about Lake Point Church. It's about the church. Okay? If you've got a friend that doesn't even live around here, invite them, show them a church, find a church around them, say, hey, you, to, you need to try this church. I did that with my brother recently who lives in Houston. And I'm going to call him after church today and say, hey, did you go to church? So far, it's two weeks in a row. Good job, little brother. He needs to be in church. And so invite people, family members, friends, okay? Invite people. I know the preaching's not all that great, but just, they could just sit there and just, just listen and, you know, they'll get something, all right? But just invite and then connect. Connect with other believers. We have life groups. We, we, we have people that just want to do life together, okay? We're about to, uh, we're, we're starting a life group right, right here in Emerson. We don't live here, but we're, you know, we're, we have a couple that, that's uh, going to have a life group. We're going to be a part of that, okay, if you're in the Emerson area, okay? We'd love for you to be a part of that. It's a life group, and there's some discipleship of that, but it's just doing life together, and so give, invite, and connect. So three words. That, uh, we've got gospel, wilderness, and the third word I want you to walk away with is baptism. Baptism. Uh, you know, John, John, the baptizer, was actually the cousin of Jesus. He, had, uh, he wore camel hair. Not really camel skin. It's just they would braid camel hair. And, and so it had a, you know, it was a rough and hairy sort of, Sort of garment, sort, sort of something that actually Elijah the prophet, similar to what he wore. Uh, he ate locusts and, and honey, and, and and for the longest time, and, and you could 
you know, you could choose to believe what you want. I mean, there's, there's some biblical scholars out there who, who um, you know, think it, it, John Baptist didn't really eat the actual, the bug, loc- locust. Uh, you know, locust needs a lot of vegetation. And there's not a whole lot of green vegetation in the wilderness where John is. Um, so most biblical scholars uh, believe that um, John ate from what is called a carob tree. Uh, rather than the bugs themselves. The carob tree is also known as the locust bean tree. If you've ever seen a carob tree, um, and, and they're all over that region. If you've ever seen a carob tree, um, they have these little bean pods that actually kind of are the size and the shape of a locust. That's why they're called locust uh, bean pod. And so what they would do is they would take these beans and these pods from this, uh, from this carob tree and they would, they would mill it you know, or grind it up, okay? And then what they would do, uh, John, he would, take, he would take honey. It's like, well, would he, is this like honey from a, you know, beehive? I mean, I don't, think, I don't think John would go to a hive and, you know, and risk being stung and all this stuff. So all throughout that region, all along the shore of, of the Jordan River are what is uh, called uh, dates. You know, they, they have these date palms, and it's date honey. You take this date honey, this honey from these dates, and you would mix it up uh, from, these, from these seed pods, and it would create basically sort of like a, like, a, like a power bar, you know, like a breakfast bar, right? And so they would, they would take this together, and they would eat, and, and, and John the Baptist is the only one who, who would do this. And so in that region, uh, they would do that. Now, you know, that's what some biblical scholars say. You may believe that he actually caught some locusts, you know, and uh, fried them up or, you know, whatever, boiled them or however you eat, you know, eat locusts. But either way, John was a little strange, okay? He was a little weird. And, but the biggest thing that John did wasn't about what he wore or what he ate. Let me tell you something. John did something that no one had ever done before in the, uh, the Hebrew nation. And that was all about cleansing. So if you look at the Torah and you look at the law, there's lots of things about cleaning, like ceremonial cleansing. Like before a meal, there needs to be some sort of basin where you you have ceremonially, ceremonially clean your hands with water. Okay? If you touch something that was unclean, you had to go and clean yourself and go outside the city and not come back until sundown. If you, uh, if you entered the temple, you would sort of have to make sure you're good and clean. And, and especially if a Gentile entered certain areas, they would have to take a bath. I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, ceremonial cleansing. And it kind of reminds me when my, my, my mom used to do these things called a rag bath. Okay, they'd take an old rag, and, and if I was dirty, and if I was, you know, about to have to go to church, so if, like we're in church, and I was a kid, and we were playing outside, and I got dirty, and church, it's time to church, she'd be like, Frankie, get, get in the bath, bath I mean, the bathroom. So she'd take me in the women's bathroom, all right, and, and she'd take my shirt off, you know, and she'd get a rag, and then she'd uh, just use sink water, and she'd wash me down, and my ears, and all this stuff, and it's called a rag bath. Now, I like rag baths better than spit baths. You ever seen a spit bath? Yeah, the, like that. I didn't like those at all. 
And she did that really well. Uh, but but I, I didn't mind too much the rag bath. But that's kind of like what a, uh, what a Jew uh, would do. It would sort of take the, a rag bath, and it's all about cleansing. But here's the thing about this. It was something that they did themselves. No one would wash another person's hands. No one would, would uh, bathe someone else. Obviously, if, unless it was a child. But this, the, the cleansing, the ceremonial cleansing of the law, no one else would do that for someone else. You would do that yourself until John the Baptist came. John the baptizer came and changed all that. You can even look back at at verse 5 and you even see this in in chapter 1 where he says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in Jordan River. For the first time, the cleansing was not done by the actual person. It was done by another person. It was done by John the Baptist. John is basically saying, this is not something you could do on your own. You cannot cleanse yourself. At the end of this passage, John says, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's this idea that you can't cleanse or save yourself no matter how good you are. You can't. Following Jesus is not a do-it-yourself religion. Following Jesus is not a do-it-yourself religion. Some people may think, well, you know, if I could just stop doing these bad things. There's so many people that are missing out on church. And you may have some friends that are like this, even family members. I can't go to church. I'm a bad person. I just, I don't don't do good stuff. I I need to, I need to do Good. I need to do good stuff. I need to do some good deeds. I need to stop doing some bad stuff before I can go to church. That is the wrong. That's not what it's about. You got to come dirty. <laughs> you have to come dirty. The God, following Jesus is not about fixing yourself or cleansing yourself. It's about having someone else do the cleansing. Having someone else, Jesus, washing you. White as snow. We sang a song about that earlier. Washing you white as snow. By the way, those who are getting baptized, if you want to make your way now to prepare for that. But being baptized and being cleansed is not something that is is a do-it-yourself sort of thing. It's something that God the Father does through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, as you believe in him, and as you are being baptized by other people. It's all about coming just as you are. It's important that you are immersed so that you identify with Jesus. You say, well, how does that identify with Jesus? Well, first of all, Jesus actually got baptized. He set the example. We're we're actually going to read that next week. We'll talk about that. And so Jesus actually got baptized. But it, it even goes deeper than that. 
Because when, when, when you are baptized, you show that your old self has died like Jesus and you were raised to new life like Jesus and you are a new creation. You, were, you died, you were buried like Jesus and you rose just like Jesus. You, it's symbolic. You are identified with Jesus. And that's what it is. You're showing, hey, Jesus, I want to identify with you. But I can, can I tell you something? This is your decision. No one can make it for you. This is your decision. Now, you may say, you know, Pastor Frank, I, I, I grew up in a religion that, you know, I, I, I was sprinkled. And, and, and that's cool. Maybe you were sprinkled as a child, as an infant. And I don't want to take anything away from that beautiful moment. I don't. Um, I think that's awesome that your, your parents wanted you um, to, and, and just longed that you would follow the Lord. And, um, but can I tell you something? That was not your decision. <laughs> when you were a child, when you were an infant, you didn't tell your parents, hey, I, you know, I want to, I mean, you couldn't talk, you know. I mean, I, you, that wasn't your decision. That was your parents' decision. And what a great decision that was. But can I tell you something? Getting baptized is your decision. Accepting Jesus Christ, following him, and then follow up through baptism is your decision. No one else can make it. Your decision. Now you may say, you know, I, I don't fully understand. I, I want to I understand it, everything, before I, I step over the line. I mean, that's not faith. Faith is all about stepping forward and following a calling to what God wants to do in your life. Now, you may, some of you may say, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to be baptized because I don't know, that's, that's kind of for kids, can I tell you something? We're baptizing two kids. And we're baptizing an, an adult male. It's not just for kids. It's not. Don't let pride get in the way. There may be something, well, I don't want to be baptized, you know, because I don't want to see, I don't want people to see me, you know, all wet. <laughs> Whatever. That's pride. That's pride. I... I just want to encourage you as your pastor and as your friend. If you've never been baptized, get baptized. Get baptized. We can add you today. Or you can wait till next time. There'll be more opportunities. But it's all about you making that decision and someone else baptizing you to show you it's not a do-it-yourself religion. There's a dependence on other people and most importantly, on God the Father making you clean. And I just, being baptized is just one of the basic things of being a Christian. In fact, Jesus said, Jesus commands us 
And he shows us to be baptized. And he even tells us, look, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So, you can show him you love him. Now, most people in this room have probably, probably been baptized. If you haven't, I would love for you to be added to that list. And you could let me know, and we're going we're gonna to line that up. But before, obviously, you could be baptized, the first thing you have to do is you have, you have to choose Jesus as your Savior. You have to choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And to be able to say, you know, I, I'm, I've been trying to fix it my own way. I've been trying to fix myself, and it ain't working. It's like me trying to work on my car. I have no clue. I could put gas in it, and I could put air in the tire. And that's about it. And, you know, I, if I need something done with my, my car, my truck, I take it to someone who could do it. Yield your life into the hands of the, of the master mechanic who can just make things right. Make your life run and go in the direction that he knows best. But it's all about surrendering your life. And you can do that here today. You can. Whether you're here or you're watching live or watching later, you can. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would please. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, I'm going to give you that opportunity. It's real simple. The Bible says just come to him as a child. Childlike faith. And so uh, it's just simple. Just say something like, God, I... I'm sorry for the things I've done. Please forgive me. I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I need a Savior. And cleanse me from all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, and uh, if you accepted Christ, I'd love to know about it. For those who are watching online, you can send me an email, uh, frank at lakepointonline.com, and I would love to, um, to get you started on the right path. But we're going to close out this service with a celebration of baptism. Y'all ready? Okay, yeah. let's do it.